Welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's all of us here recording remote in Auckland again. It's the 11th of October. On This Week in Cricket This Week, we're going to talk Ashes on with full squads. The IPL Top 4 has been announced. Australia Women versus India is coming to a conclusion. We've got resignations galore and we're also going to talk a little bit about New Zealand rescheduling their tour of Pakistan. All coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. So we're going to start off with the Ashes are on Baldy. You and I have been having a little bit of banter over the course of the last few weeks. Tim Payne making a few ill-conceived comments, but um, it seems to have done the job because it's forced all of the England full strength, or as full strength as England can be, getting on plane for that first Test match due to take place December the 8th. There is still a huge caveat, though, isn't there, that it's subject to some conditions being met and one thing's for sure with COVID we're going to have a few curveballs before then but is it making you guys feel excited what's the yeah what's the sort of haps with uh, with the boys around the top order oh boys I'm massively excited for this Ashes this Ashes is on England are going to send pretty much their full squad so the only people who are not going to tour at this stage uh, Joffre Archer under injury and also Ben Stokes injury slash mental health so it looks like Josh Butler's going to go. It looks like Joe Root's going to go. Jimmy and and um, Stuart Broad are going to go. Raj, you'll be excited. Rory Burns has been named in the squad. No real surprises in terms of those squad inclusions. Uh, Hasib Hamid and Zach Crawley have made the cut. Dan Lawrence has made the cut. Uh, interesting, no Dom Sibley. Uh, no real surprises in the bowling attack either with Jack Leach and Dom Bess also being included at spin cover uh, with the retirement of Mo Ali. But yeah, I'm, look, I'm massively excited to see the 17-man touring party announced. It looks like at this stage, everything going ahead. And uh, look, bring on that first test at the ambush at the Gabba again. Yeah, for, for me, I really like the squad. Uh, I really like how they maintained uh, definitely that batting structure that they had towards the end of that Indian series. They look to be gelling a little bit. Uh, Milan is key for me uh, in the series going forward. Uh, but I have a couple of questions, actually, and it's more around the bowlers. So I'm going to throw to um, throw, throw to you, or Binksy, or maybe Stu, and it, it, it's really around what England's bowling attack looks like. The inclusion of Bess and Leach uh, in this uh, touring squad and, and how that plays with the, the team that they've had over the last couple of series where they haven't really had spinners. But going to Australia, it's, it's, a, it's a place where you're probably going to have spin being required on a number of the different pitches depending on the venues they play at. Uh, but uh, you can't use pace the whole time. What do you think the makeup of that, um, that bowling lineup will look like? Well, I think Leach is going to have, have a big role, actually. In terms of that, that kind of holding role, he'll, he'll probably have a big role there. I mean, I, I would be a bit worried about Bess's role and, and ability to be able to do that, given that that uh, of what we've seen from him uh, in recent times. But, you know, it's sort of a weird one because he had, it seemed like he had such a, a negative experience over there in India, and now he's come back. Uh, and now he's come back and, you know, he's, he's always been in those squads. But, you know, I, I think... It's basically what you're what you're saying, and the biggest thing for me is the balance of that side. If they're not going to play those four seamers, then they're going to have someone like a Wokes, or they're going to have or, or they're going to have him batting at seven, or they're going to have to play an extra batter and only have four bowlers, and then you've got someone like a Jack Leach who's going to have a lot of overs to bowl potentially in those scenarios. 
Yeah, look, guys, you're not going to be surprised to see that I'm going to say I'm a little bit worried about the England team that's going over there. I think the missing of Stokes is just such a massive thing for England because we know that he can bat at number five and provide a few overs as a genuine third or fourth seeming option. Um, I think that in terms of the spin piece and Moen Ali as well, it hasn't had great success in Australia, but I think he's the one English spinner that they think puts enough action on the ball. I, I, I think if you look at the fact that Leach has really fallen out of favour, I don't think they think that his best um, off-spinner, or albeit a left-arm off-spinner, um, is as good as Moen Ali's best ball. Um, and that's why Ali came back into the mix. And then for me, the problem without having Stokes and without having Moen Ali is that they might be forced down the route of either playing a Don Best because he offers a little bit more with the bat and in the field potentially than Jack Leach. Um, and it's kind of how do we actually get a sum of three or four players' parts to almost replace what Stokes and Moen Ali might have given the team. And I think that, you know, the biggest factor there as well is there's still some really big questions over that batting lineup as well. Um, you know, Milan uh, coming in at number three. I, you know, I like the look of Burns and Hamid at the top of the order. Milan's got some questions to answer. Roots in the form of his life. But then we've got some question marks around five, six, seven and how we balance that side. And then really, really telling that when we did have some success in the Ashes in 2010-11, we did it with a battery of uh, bowlers. Um, and I think, that you know, we don't have that same battery going with us this time. We've only got Mark Wood who can get anywhere near 145, 148 kph um, or, you know, in old money, 90 mile an hour. And we've got a lot of guys that they're going to be relying on relentless accuracy. And I think, um, you know, someone like Craig Overton has proved that, you know, at that sort of 83, 84 mile an hour pace, he doesn't actually even have that relentless accuracy. Well documented that Wokes doesn't have a great record with the Kookaburra. Well documented that Jimmy Anderson is, you know, 39 going on 40. So look, some real worries in that side, but I don't think that they could have put together um, a better business class section um, to take on the tour to uh, to Australia. That You know, it wasn't as if uh, there were a bunch of guys that had been banging down the door with performances in the English summer or in county cricket for me. So yeah, pessimism from the English corner, but you'd expect nothing less, right? So just to follow on from that, I guess, not that I was surprised, but I saw you know Clory, Crawley, and Lawrence in in that um, in that touring squad. For me, I feel like this is almost a you know last chance saloon for them. Uh, what do you, what do you think about that, Baldy? Well, yes, I think they are. Um, you, there's not too many more opportunities I think that that you could give to uh, someone like Zach Crawley or Dan Lawrence without forcing them back into county cricket and forcing them to make a butt ton of runs and then get their way back into the side. The concern for me is they've already gone to a well, let's call them experienced players in Bairstow and Milan. So, yeah, I think their, their, their eye is on this Ashes tour and then they might look to youth. But then who else do you go to? As Adam said, not many players have bashed down the door. The one comfort that they do have is that I've been reliably informed by a good source that there'll be a Lions tour that will shadow the England squad to provide them with warm-up matches and then backup players as well. Thank you, Adam. Uh, so that means that there will be an opportunity if they need to, to drop someone and bring someone else in. But then who, who are they going to do that? I think they're going to go with the squad that they've got, the 17. They might, you know, tweak a little bit here and there, but those are the, gonna, those are the guys that have to win the Ashes. 
If they don't make runs in the first two tests, England are going to be in a big hole again and they're not going to be able to climb out of it. So the first two tests for me, particularly at the Gabba, is absolutely crucial. Yeah, and look, the only other interesting point I'll make is Ben Stokes undergoing rehab on his second finger operation. And really, really key for me was in the announcement, um, the end of that rehab period almost finishes on the day that they get on the plane. So they've left the door just a little bit open there that his medical treatment will be finishing just as they're queuing up for their Emirates flight um, to Australia. We'll move on uh, to the Emirates uh, again, or certainly that part of the world. The IPL top four has been finalised. It seems an age ago since we did our IPL preview. So those eagle-eyed listeners will know that we got it spot on in terms of our predictions. And if we didn't, you can go back and uh, tell us the episode number where we got it so horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, guys, we, we've, we've already got our first, uh, yeah, first um, sort of one through the final as well over the, the course of the eliminator or the qualifier. I forget which one it was that was played the other night. Yes, thanks for um, illustrating my point that I might have to just do a quick refresher of the playoff format. But um, yeah, we have reached that pointy end of the tournament and the four teams that made it through to the playoffs were, are, um, are the Kolkata Knight Riders in fourth, RCB in third, Chennai Super Kings in second and the Delhi Capitals first. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, Bing C CSK won the first grand final qualifier, which was for the top two teams. Uh, so they're, you know, with a really inspired MS Dhoni closing of their, that final innings uh, got through. Uh, so they go straight through to the final. Um, and next we have uh, the third and fourth place teams playing each other. So that's RCB and KKR. And the loser goes home and the winner goes through to the second grand final qualifier against the Delhi Capitals. Uh, the big elephant in the room, which I'll leave probably to Baldy to talk about, is Mumbai Indians didn't make it, even in an odd-numbered year, uh, which is interesting. It's a shame we won't be hearing that um, victory song this year. Um, I guess for me, I'm, I'm going to make a little prediction here. I think that the Delhi Capitals will actually win that that grand final uh, qualifier, the second one, against RCB, and, and they will beat... Uh, CSK in the final. That's what I think is going to happen. Over to you, Baldy. Yeah, well, I had the Mumbai Indians chant ready to go and shame. It's just, just a real shame that they're, that they're gone, really. Um, sl traditionally slow starters, as I recall, in, in IPL tournaments. They've come back. They've started slow. They didn't get it, give them themselves enough time to build that uh, all-important momentum going into the back end of the tournament, and they missed out. They only missed out by run rate against KKR, having finished on the same number of points, I believe. So, look, they had it in their own hands. They didn't didn't take the chances. Unusually won it last year in an even-numbered year. That's obviously uh, upset the feng shui of their, of their setup, and they weren't able to repeat the dose uh, in what is traditionally their strongest suit, which is the odd-numbered years. But, yeah, I, I, I just think with that Chennai side... They were disappointing last year. They've turned it around. They've got performance out, out of Guy Quad. They've got performances out of all their guys. Moali's been good for them. MS Dhoni turned back the clock last night with a vintage performance. So I, I just think they've got all of the makings of a of a grand final winning side. Yeah, look, uh, Baldy, the, uh, the one thing that I want to pick up on is, um, I mean, you touched on Mumbai really just... Yeah, like you said, went one one and four on the return after after being in a pretty good position before that. Only scored over 150 once in that time. That star-studded batting lineup: Rohit, Dukok, Sky, 
Pandia, Pollard, Kishan, just it never really clicked all at the same time. But, you know, in the meantime, we had uh, KKR, the side you mentioned there, that, that pipped them to really turn it around. And, and you know, I'm going to, of course, give a few Kiwis a shout out here. And obviously it's uh, Brendan McCullum who's, who's leading that side. And, and I think the whole first half of that tournament, he kept going, look, we just want, I want, I want them to play more, more fearless cricket. And and it came. They actually came out and did it in that second half of the tournament, and they've really stormed home. And and look, who needs Pat Cummins when you've got Lockie Ferguson? He's been unbelievable in this this back half of, of the tournament. Ten wickets from five games at an average of an eleven, and an er an economy rate of, of six. I mean, it's just absolutely been superb. I, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. That slower ball's been going great, and you know, even Tim Southey's been chipping in with some handy performances. So look. KKR is going to provide RCB. I mean, this is going to be fish and chip paper by the time you guys hear this. That game is being played overnight. Uh, KKR and, and RCB. So, but look, I, I wouldn't count them count them out. And as I've said all along for for months now, Coley's not in great form. So, let's go KKR. Yeah, the, the big thing for me in this fixture is that you've got three or four players with some points to prove in this tournament. Owen Morgan has had a very lean spell with the bat for KKR. Um, has had the backing of his coach and great mate McCullum. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the commenters he just said class is permanent. Um, so look, I'd expect Owen Morgan to put in a good show. The other one for me is Big Dre Russ. Um, has healed pretty quickly from some injuries before, but it, you know, looking like it will need to be a miracle for him to be on the field. But you wouldn't bet against it in such a big, um, big fixture. And as you've mentioned, Coley as well with it with a point to prove as well. So. Look, I really hope the pitch is good um, and I hope um, it's a crackerjack of a game um, this evening. Um, yeah, one that I'll actually be tuning in for, I think, as well. Boys, before we... We'll obviously do a bit of a, a wrap-up of the, the entire IPL next week and, and look back, but, Baldi, just a word maybe on, on Glenn Maxwell. I mean, obviously someone who came into the tournament with a big price tag and, and I think both you and Raj kind of mentioned that you know, you give him a bit of responsibility and he seems to perform much better. And, and he's been unbelievable for, for RCB in this tournament. You know, he's averaged, averaged about 45, almost 500 runs, striking at 150, playing match-winning innings and, and really living up to that price tag this time. Yeah, a real interesting switch of teams for Glenn Maxwell has gone into a side that's got other stars around him and it just looked like he was playing with a bit more freedom. You know, he's got Coley at the top, he's got AB around him and then some some guys that um that have kind of been lesser known names. Dev Dutpadakal, huge last year as well, but a few of those lesser known names have stepped up a little bit uh, during the tournament, but he's just been playing superb cricket, Glenn Maxwell. Match winning innings, as you say, with the bat, handy with the ball. Um, and look, with the World Cup just around the corner, he is um, hitting peak form at just the right time for me. Baldy, over to you to talk about Australian women just finishing up their series against India. And there's some been, been some good cricket. Been some excellent cricket. And of course, the streak has ended. All good things must come to an end. Australia's streak of undefeated ODI successes ends at the hands of the Indian women team at 26. Look, a really good series. Um, Australia looked like after that first ODI and Mackay that they would be unbeatable again. You know, they ran down 225 for eight with 227 for one, and it all looked kind of a bit of a fait accompli for the rest of the series. But India uh, bounced back again, competitive in, in a few of the matches, competitive and won the third ODI, of course. Drawn test match in that day-night test. India were on top in that test match. I mean, really, after day one, didn't really look like 
giving up the ascendancy. They declared, Australia declared behind, and then, you know, the game sort of petered out on day four. But, you know, India have, have taken some momentum off Australia in that o- in the ODI series. And even in the in the T20s, they were 131 for four after 15 overs when that match was washed out on the Gold Coast. Yes, Australia have won the other two games, but I just really feel like the, the field has, has closed a little bit. It's a lot closer than I think people gave credit for at the start of the series, certainly between Australia and India. And looking ahead to the World Cup next year, I think England and New Zealand in particular will take a lot from that um, series between Australia and India and go, look, the Australians are beatable now. Okay, they've missed a couple of players uh, that from, their, from their squad, a couple of senior players that will come back for the World Cup. But, man alive, there's, there's opportunity here in a one-off game for England, India or New Zealand to be able to upset this Australian side and potentially take home the World Cup. So it's all to play for. Yeah, that that like you just said, that that's absolutely a, a lot exactly what New Zealand fans particularly here just just wanted to to see because you know we've we've been I've been banging this drum about uh, you know New Zealand they've just got to win they've just got to win those couple of games. That's all you got to do in a World Cup. You got to win the semi-final, you got to win your final assuming you get there obviously. But you know, we just had a, a really good chat with Katie Martin, White Ferns wicketkeeper, who, you know, that episode will probably come out after this one. And, and you know, we, we discussed it in a bit more detail there. And, and I completely agree with you, Baldy. Two months ago, I, I just, you watched that Australian women's side and you just thought they're, ne- they're never going to lose a game. And particularly, I think that second ODI, you know, India was right on top in that game. It looked like they were finally going to break that streak. And then Beth Mooney put in one of the greatest innings you know, all time for for Australia. Talia McGrath got them home as well and, and just a, a huge performance. And you kind of think when something like that happens, it sucks the life out of the other team. But for India to bounce back and win that next game and, and shut down the streak, very, very impressive. And I think they can take a lot out of what they've done this tour. We'll move on to a couple of resignations. So ECB chairman Ian Watmore um is standing down with immediate effects from the ecb chair position been appointed for five years he's barely a year into that term lots of stories suggesting um a number of the counties actually voicing their dissatisfaction at his handling particularly of the domestic structure not being finalized for the next couple of years but also in fairness to him um, some pretty difficult scenarios to deal with in the first year of his tenure, uh, not least all these sh- scheduling issues, COVID, etc., um, hitting during his tenure. Um, but yeah, immediately stood down. And, and I guess the rumour mill sort of started pretty quickly after that with uh, Wazim Khan's recent announcement and him returning to the UK to be back with his family after nearly three years with the PCB. Um, and yeah, people putting two and two together, uh, perhaps um, a little bit of a restructure, but you'd have to say that Wasm is more probably of a CEO than a chairman, um, very different um, roles, but who knows what might happen um, restructuring um, boards around the world. Did that catch you all right, or is it just me as an English nerd? Oh no, I was I was fully uh, on board with that. I've been following the Pakistan stuff a little bit, obviously, because of uh, New, Zealand's, New Zealand's recent involvement there that has... has you know, garnered a little bit of, of media coverage uh, in recent times. And, um, you know, just on that, it looks like New Zealand is, is going to, is at least trying to, to reschedule that tour, possibly for, for 2022, the back end of 
of that year. Um, I mean, very interesting. You know, Rami's Raja seems to be kind of announcing things on Twitter rather than talking to the New Zealand uh, New Zealand CEOs, which is seems to be the way. Um, it's a legitimate method for le- leaders with um, grandeur or delusions of grandeur, particularly when it comes to world power. Well, yeah, it, it does seem to be the way to get your get your information out there at, at the moment. But you know, I, I think I think we've all said it on this podcast, right? That we've been very impressed uh, with with what Wasim's done in, in Pakistan, getting cricket back to the region. So, you know, I, I don't think he'll be without a job for long if if he wants one. Yeah, it certainly popped up on my radar as well. The the, the resignation of, of Ian Watmore from that ECB setup. Look, he's had a lot to deal with over the last 12 months. Of course, the, the 100 rescheduled multiple times, the impact of the 100, again, that kind of the angst between county cricket and the county setup and and that kind of franchise-based 100 tournament can't be understated. That's caused a lot of stress um, for for a very vocal minority of of pro county fans, and they're maybe not in the minority, but they're certainly quite vocal about the future of county cricket. So, if counties are leaning on that ECB um, executive to make sure that they protect the future of the county game, any uncertainty there is is going to be sort of leveraged as much as it could. But I mean, England by and large have had a pretty successful Test summer. They got six out of the seven Tests that they needed to in against India. They had a very successful running of the hundred. Okay, you can maybe talk about the County Championship, the Bob Willis Championship, and and those kinds of things maybe not being as successful as as they would like to have been. But every nation has been able to or has had to deal with that from a COVID perspective. You know, New Zealand summer hasn't got quite got underway yet. Um, rumours about you know Australian domestic sides can't play at the moment because of lockdown and only certain shield games are underway so look there's challenges all over the world and unfortunately it looks like Ian Watmore has been a a victim of some of those um, scheduling conflicts and scheduling challenges and it's only going to get worse from here yeah absolutely and look should just add that I think um, some health concerns for him as well Um, he actually stood down uh, from the Football Association um, a similar role at the Football Association. I had a, a bit of a heart problem at that point and has cited that sort of well-being piece. But I, I think it was a case of um, one of those mutual um, understandings that, that led to him um, uh, re- resigning from his position. And I don't think that would have been opposed by the sounds of uh, the rest of the news coming out um, of the UK. Well, that does wrap up this short This Week in Cricket. You will see a little bit of a change to the way that we're going to go about things here on the Top Order podcast in our scheduling uh, with another episode hitting your feed a little bit later this week, which will be our preview of the ICC T20 World Cup. We're going, look, I guess in the order of the game at the moment, Short and Snappy is winning the race. So you'll see uh, regular releases from us here at the Top Order podcast over the course of the next few months as we try and cram a lot of cricketing content into our fledgling Um, but scrappy underdog New Zealand cricketing podcast. So please check back in on your feeds very, very shortly. Listen to what our musings on the T20 World Cup are. But for all of us here tonight here in Auckland, it's good night and God bless. See you soon.